Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Evening 2024. Uh, happy New Year to everyone. I'm back. It's the first one of the new year. So um, welcome to all my followers. Good to see you all here today. Um, new setup on the um, on the ground with my uh, bendy phone. So uh, I'm hoping that looks okay on Instagram. I have to check it later because it looks it looks a bit weird on my screen because it's kind of bent. But uh, anyway. Oh, and I can't leave. Oh, I can see. Oh, Corinne's here. Oh, I can't see so well, actually. That's the thing. Hmm. I thought this through anyway. Um, so, yeah, good evening, all. And I hope you've had a nice festive break. Um, and yeah, back to it as if it never happened. And um, yeah, so we're back at, back at work this week. And I know some, some probably back at work last week, wasn't it? But um, yeah, good to be back at it. Um, I can't, I can't see that. What's that say? Oh, Corin, happy new year! Happy new year, Corin. Yeah, happy new year to you, too. Um, so yeah, I've got some questions to uh, get on with. Uh, so uh, if you've got any questions, oh, there was a one on the Instagram. I do like it when they put on the Instagram. So I made a note of it because I'm not quite sure if I can find out. So two part questions: Do you offer Twilight, and uh, are there before and after of the other, before and after photos of the other surgeons on the website? I think that's the question. So do we offer Twilight? Yes, we do. Um, just talking to the just about it today actually because um we certainly offer it and we kind of I've, I've kind of gone through phases with it because we never used to do it at all um hardly ever unless someone had a real sort of phobia of, of anesthetic and then covid came along and we did it <clears throat> quite a lot i'm kind of hoping it's all working on it facebook because i don't think there's anyone there to I'm not sure if Facebook's working very well these days. I'm using a special software on Facebook, and I think it's making it worse. Either that or it's just not very popular on Facebook, which I can't, surely can't be the case. It must be the software's problem. Um, anyway, I'm going to push on. But, um, yeah, so we never used to do it at all before COVID. And then COVID happened and had a real problem with the hospitals getting into the hospitals and... Um, there are only certain places we can work and and the places that we I say we me really well I'll say we I'll keep on the we makes me sound more important um and that was we could only do um, local insulation or twilight anesthetic at those places so basically that's all we could offer and so we did quite a few cases of local insulation and it worked really well to be fair it did work really well patients recovered really well um home and stay cases and we thought wow this is great this is the way forward um now we i am back in hospital um where you can do local installation or general um i don't do as much as it and i had a, i did a patient today actually who had actually previously asked about local installation and my view about it has changed slightly i spoke to the anesthetist about it I mean, I don't know, I probably, probably need to get an anesthetist on here or at least two, two anesthetists on here to talk about the pros and cons of local insulation. But it seems that the sedation that is required for these cases is quite a deep sedation. It's not like a, 
it's not like just you know a couple of diazepam tablets it's it's quite a deep sedation which is almost like a general anesthetic but the airway is not protected so they would say well you know you can do it and it's fine and not saying it's not safe or anything but it's a little bit more kind of um, intense from the side of the anesthetist and they would sort of say the benefits are slightly less really than what you might think and um you know that so are the benefits that much do people recover really significantly better so i don't know uh, and one of the problems is you find that the patient places that kind of pr promote it are the places that can only do local insertion and i've always thought if it was that good surely places that can do ga would do local insulation if it was better than ga why is it only places that can do local a bit like vasoliposuction you know some people only do like vasoliposuction make sure it has the best thing ever um and it's like people who do all sorts of um liposuctions and treatments and things maybe you know don't promote it quite as much as some people who just sort of just do it and it's like if all you've got is a hammer everything looks like a nail i don't know if that makes sense that's a people in plastic surgery often say that if you've got a sort of full repertoire you'll choose the best thing whereas if you only got one thing that you do you'll make everything fit that so i don't know so i'm i'm, I'm a bit i'm a bit less uh I'm, I'm fine with it and so we do offer it and if someone wants twilight absolutely fine but i'm a bit less kind of um positive kind of about it because i'm like you know what it's quite deep the anesthetic uh, the sedation um and um certainly in cases of breast asymmetry it can be a little bit difficult because you have to inject local anesthetic into the breast and that can make it a little bit more difficult if you're using sizes and if you're using uh, different size implants i think sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable for patients and, and things like that so you know we do offer it for sure but um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more on the fence on it now. And uh, we've gone back to doing majority of things under GA, I'll be honest with you, although we still do offer it. Uh, see, I've got someone written something on, on that, but I can't read it because my phone's bent. Um, um, I'm a cat. Hi, JJ. Happy New Year. I have a question for you. How long after having moles removed on the torso am I able to start exercising again? Maybe running. Thank you. Do you know what I've, I've got a second part question which i haven't answered so the first part i will answer that mia but i will got a second part of my other question do you offer twilight the other one was before and after to the surgeons on uh, the website you know what we should i feel like that's, i'm looking down at that is that better i feel like uh, no we don't we 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 it's on the list of things to do uh, you might have I, I did a thing the other day or a little while ago saying about sort of doing less operating and one of the reasons i'm doing less operating is because i want to kind of build up the practice a bit more and one of the things about building up the practice a bit more is trying to sort of work on things like the website and what have you which takes a lot of time and if you're doing a lot of operating it's hard to to kind of do both and yeah that's something we've we've thought about doing maybe having um you know specific cases by specific surgeons on the website whereas at the moment it's just all a big mix and it doesn't really specify who's done what it's just um or, or the before and after photos so yes that's a good point about having specific before and after photos with the specific surgeons um and thank you for that comment and it is a work in progress and it's on the list it's on the list and who knows in 2024 maybe i'll be able to um look at working on that but um that's a fair point fair point so um mia what you got you got what 
what about something about a mole on a torso what was it again how long after having moles removed on the torso starting slowly again so um i mean i'm thinking they're going to be small i might be wrong you can get big moles but um because it kind of depends on how much tension there is mia if you've got a lot of tension then you're going to be a little bit more careful about it but um on the torso we will often use dissolvable sutures underneath the skin and maybe dissolvable sutures in the skin maybe you know completely dissolvable sutures or maybe a dissolvable suture and a non-dissolvable one that comes out later but on blind being you often use more sutures in the torso to keep it together because you worry about it sort of stretching the scar stretching what have you so um if it's not under too much tension the wound should be healed in about a week or so so i would say after a couple of weeks you can start gently doing things um running the thing about running you can get a bit hot and sweaty and so you don't want to get hot and sweaty while the wound's kind of healing so you want that wound to be properly healed so i would say two weeks um you know and then sort of start if assuming it all heals up okay if it doesn't heal up okay little bit of red bits little bit of scabby bits then maybe take it a bit uh, easy for another week or so but if it's looking pretty well nicely healed obviously it'll be quite red at that stage um then two weeks um but you know always i'm not sure if i'm your surgeon there but always talk to your surgeon if it is me then that's what i'm saying um or at least ask me because i'll talk specifically about your case but um always best to talk to your surgeon but yeah Two weeks gently getting into it again, I would say, is my uh, is my answer on that one. Um, yeah. Um, what? Thanks for the question. What treatment takes off a mole permanently, like it won't come back at all? I don't want it to regrow. <clears throat> um, so, the way to think about this is, if you look at a kind of like cross section of the skin, you've got to think where is the pigment cells a mole. <coughs> A mole is a collection of pigment cells. So pigment cells are throughout the skin, uh, melanocytes they're called, they're throughout the skin, and they um, are just more of them in that in one area um, that, that makes up a mole. Um, and they are um, distributed throughout the thickness of the skin. So if you want to get rid of it um, completely, you will have to take the full thickness of the skin. You will have to destroy the full thickness of the skin somehow remove it or destroy it or burn it or scrape it or you know cut it out so you you need to if you want to take away a mole permanently you you're going to have to destroy the full thickness of the skin and um there's different ways you can do that you can burn it with a laser you can burn it with acid you can uh, grind it off with a dermabrasion thing you can um cut it out you can scrape it out with a spoon there's all sorts of ways you can do it um the problem with the ways that don't involve cutting it out is you will leave a raw area and if you're going to go full thickness that area then has to heal from the sides by what we call secondary intention so that scarring is not going to be quite so good so all those areas, all those ones that don't involve bringing the edges of the skin back together, which is the laser, the acid, uh, dermabrading, um, uh, scraping, all those ways of getting rid of that full thickness, you wouldn't really want to do that for a full thickness skin removal. So the best way to do full thickness skin removal is to just cut it out and stitch and bring those edges back together again and stitch it up. The problem with that is it leaves a scar because you're removing the full thickness of the skin and then you bring the skin edges back. So that's excision and suture. And that's going to leave a scar. Um, 
to be fair, all the others, well, he's going to leave the scar as well. And arguably the scar is going to be worse because it's going to heal by secondary intention. Um, the fact of the matter is often you get some potentially some mole uh, pigment cells are closer to the surface of the skin. So you can just remove the top layer of the skin. And that's why those other areas like CO2 is the other thing. CO2, laser burning and all those things might work for more superficial lesions um, because they're not removing the full thickness of the skin and then the scarring will be um, significantly less. Uh, but there's always a risk that you haven't removed it all. So if you want a permanent solution, then excision and suture is, is the best way to do that. There are other ways to do it. As I say, you can do it with lasers and acids and, uh, and what have you. But the scarring is um, potentially going to be worse because it has to heal from the sides in. Um, so excision is the best way to permanently remove a, um, a mole to make sure that it won't grow back at all. Like anything, it needs a consultation where you need to have a look at it to see whether it would be an option for a scrape or a superficial <coughs> treatment. But you'd have to accept there's always a risk of it coming back with those superficial treatments, but the um, the healing and the scarring might be less. Um, sorry. Uh, yes, it's you. I think you mentioned it probably be dissolved with sutures before. Thanks, JJ. Yeah, you probably will on the torso, probably will. Yeah. Okay, well, if it's me, then yeah, two weeks is where I'm going on that one. Um, how soon after having an epigastric hernia repair with mesh can I have a tummy tuck? Um, right you haven't you got an epigastric hernia repair with mesh now the first thing that makes me think is it um i've got a bit of alarm bells here to be honest with you. i'm thinking the cogs can you see the cogs going there um the first thing if you if you know you're having an epigastric hernia repair and you know you want a tummy tuck is do you want them both at the same time because that would probably be the most sensible thing, although I'm sensing there might be a situation like maybe you're having the epigastric hernia repair on the NHS and the tummy tuck privately, um, which you might think, mm, you know, because the worry I've got with the epigastric hernia repair is if they make a scar that goes higher than the belly button, because that is going to impact your ability to have a tummy tuck. If they make a scar that goes above the belly button, we're in trouble. If the scar is limited to the to the around the belly button and down we're okay but if it's going above the belly button we are in trouble my friend and you might be in a situation where you have your epigastric hernia repair and then you turn up your tummy tuck consultation they're like hold on a minute you can't have a tummy tuck because that scar is going to um, be a problem with the healing of the skin which obviously would not be a great situation to be in because it would be relatively um uh, a relative contraindication to the surgery having that scar unless we could get above the scar and pull it all down so that's a real um, uh, concern for me and I think if you haven't had either the procedure you need to talk to the surgeons and potentially get the surgeons to talk to each other um, you know for the plastic surgeon say to the epigastric hernia surgeon uh, what sort of scar are you thinking of leaving is there any possibility you can do it by having a scar that extends um, south of the belly button rather than north of the belly button because I will be able to remove all the skin below the belly button but I won't potentially be able to remove the skin going north of the belly button so that scar might be an issue so that's quite a big sort of alarm bell there but first of all I think it needs to be thought about how the scar of the hernia repair is going to go 
um, how soon? Um, I mean, it's a relatively big procedure having a hernia repair um, with, you know, particularly this with mesh. So six months, I would say. You kind of want to have it all healed. Um, <coughs> yeah, six months. And again, I'm, I'm presuming you kind of spoken to your plastic surgeon particularly, because if it's a little epigastric hernia, we can often repair them when we do the tummy tuck. So um, you kind of need to speak to the people involved really about that. But I would say six months, assume it's all healed because you want it all to soften up because you, you have to put it together and you often repair, um, bring the muscles closer together. And, and, and in doing that, um, hernia, small hernia repairs can be fixed at the time of a tummy tuck. But if you if it's with mesh, maybe it's not a small one, actually. Maybe it's quite a big one. Um, but um, yeah, six months would be a kind of ballpark figure. But, you know, if you don't heal up so well, it might be longer. If you heal up really well, it might be less. Um, but you want everything to soften and all the scar tissue to soften. Um, you know, probably ideally 12, six to 12 months, I would say, uh, would be kind of like where I would be going between those two surgeries. Um, but yeah, needs a bit of thought, that one. How to prevent a stretch scar after tattoo excision on your wrist? Yeah, I mean, I guess surgeon factors and patient factors on that one. So surgeon factors, from our point of view, um, it's thinking about orientation of scar. So we would probably want, if if we've got a choice. So often with tattoo exceeding, you haven't got a choice for uh, orientation of scar because if it's kind of long and thin, you're gonna to wanna to put the scar in line with the tattoo, if that makes sense. If the tattoo's a circle, then you can orientate the scar any way you want. But if the tattoo's in a if in a kind of oblong shape, you're gonna have, that's gonna, dictate the orientation of the scar I don't, I don't know if that makes sense but um so yeah if you have got an option for orientation of the scar you'd probably want to orientate it um longitudinally so um it's not under tension when you move your wrist um because of when you move your if you put it um transversely if you move your wrist you're going to put some tension on it which might me make it more likely to stretch also transverse incision on the wrist might look like a self-harm scar so there's some sort of um, psychological um, sequelae, is that the word, or, or um, connotations or, you know, anyway, potential effects of a, of a transverse scar on the wrist. So we probably want to, um, if we can, uh, orientate it um, uh, longitudinally. Uh, and again, if we can get orientation to more of the neutral parts of the wrist rather than the, 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 the here, you know, there's more tension here than on if you can put it on the sides. I don't know if that makes sense so uh, again if we if we can do that that would be good uh, when we do the surgery we would probably want to perhaps put some uh, uh, or certainly want to put some deep closure in with some deep sutures to take the tension off the problem with the deep sutures is they can make the scar quite red when they dissolve and sometimes they spit out and cause problems but that will help to take the tension off and help with the um, help with the risk of stretching uh, in terms of patient factors, then really it's taking it easy. Um, sometimes when you do really big excisions, you might actually splint, put someone in a splint so they don't move their wrist so it heals properly. Now, the risk of that is it, <coughs> it um, um, you can potentially get stiff wrist is the risk of that. So that's a little bit extreme putting you in a splint, but uh, maybe a bulky dressing or or just saying to you, just try and take it easy, not to try and put too much tension on your wrist, certainly in the first few weeks while it's healing, because putting tension, carrying bags or or lifting anything heavy is going to put tension on that wound and increase your risk of uh, of stretching it 
Um, so being very careful in the first few weeks while it's healing and then giving it a good massage to try and um, soften up the scar once it's healed. Usually wait several weeks before doing that to try and soften up the scar and give you the best chance of getting the best scar possible. Um, so yeah, those are the sort of things I would think about if you if you want to minimize your risk of your scar stretching. Um, how long does it take for tightness to ease after tattoo excision? So a week. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, I think it will feel. I mean, it depends on how, how much you removed. If it's not removed much and it's not much, then it will better after a couple of days. But um, yeah, I would say a week it will probably start to feel better, and after a couple of weeks, it'll you know, yeah, week or so, I would say. How to make your scar fade quicker after tattoo excision? Oh my, these are heavy. We're heavy on the tattoo excisions today. Um, the best things are look after yourself. Don't smoke. Avoid sun exposure. Drink plenty of uh, water. That's the best. That's good for your skin. Good for your healing. Uh, specifically in terms of the scar fading. Um, again, don't get a tan on it. If you get a tan on it, it will stay tanned. So avoid sun exposure. Moisturize and massage. Avoid tension so that it heals up nicely. Um, uh, Moisturise and massage are the main things for me. There are other things you can do for, uh, for scars that are problematic in terms of steroid injections, silicone dressings, but they're normally for problem scars. So most normal scars, moisturise and massage is the mainstay of, of what we would do for it. Um, I have a flat mole on my nose and it never went away. I tried to remove it with laser and the doctor scraped it once and it came back again twice. How do I remove it permanently? Well, this goes back to the question at the top of the uh, the top of the hour where we spoke about permanent removal. I mean, this is the thing. So the, the doctors tried laser and scraping it. So those have um, probably just superficially removed the skin uh, and they're good if it's a superficial lesion, if it's a superficial mole. But if the, the mole, if the, if the pigment cells are going deeper, then that's why what will happen if you do laser or scraping, you'll get a wound, the wound then heals. And then once it's healed, the mole's still there because it's going deeper. So you've got to look at potentially having a full thickness removal. And it's difficult on the nose because the nose's skin's quite tight. So it is difficult on the nose. But I think, um, I think um, excision would probably what I'd be thinking of, because as I said earlier, that's probably the best way to make sure you're permanently removing a mole. It also avoids, it also allows you to send the mole off for histology, which is another benefit, which you don't get with things like scraping and, and laser. So, um, so excision would probably be my advice on that one, but need to take advice because as I say, the moles, the nose is quite tight and even a small mole can be a, a bit of a challenge to remove on the nose. Um, and you had have to be, uh, accept a, uh, a scar because uh, an excision would leave a scar, although we aim to make it as neat and as small as possible. So, have I missed anything? So, um, it's just people joining. Yes, thank you. So, yeah, so that's me done for the 2024 January the 9th um, session. Um, God willing, I'll be back next week. If you've got any questions, please email me, please um, Instagram me or Facebook me or whatever you want, uh, and I will uh, do my level best to answer them. Um, and I very much look forward to seeing you here, same time, same place. Um, 
next Tuesday. Hasta la vista, baby. Sure, Facebook's not working. Sure, there'd be more interaction on Facebook if it was. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.
evening 2024 uh happy new year to everyone i'm back it's the first one of the new year so um welcome to all my followers good to see you all here today um new setup on the um on the ground with my uh bendy phone so uh I'm hoping that looks okay on Instagram. I'll have to check it later because it looks, it looks a bit weird on my screen because it's kind of bent. But uh, anyway, oh, and I can't leave. Oh, I can see. Oh, Corinne's here. Oh, I can't see so well, actually. That's the thing. Hmm. I thought this through. Anyway, um, so, yeah, good evening all. And I hope you've had a nice festive break. Um, and, yeah, back to it as if it never happened. And... Um, yeah, so we're back at back at work this week, and I know some some probably back at work last week, wasn't it? But um, yeah, good to be back at it. Um, I, can't, I can't see that. What's that say? Oh, Corin, happy new year, happy new Corin. Yeah, happy new year to you too. Um, so yeah, I've got some questions to uh, get on with. Uh, so uh, if you've got any questions, oh, there was a one on the Instagram. I do like it when they put on the Instagram. So I made a note of it because I'm not quite sure if I can. So two-part question: Do you offer Twilight, and uh, are there before and after of the other, before and after photos of the other surgeons on the website? I think that's the question. So do we offer Twilight? Yes, we do. Um, just talking to the just about it today, actually, because um, we certainly offer it, and we kind of I've, I've kind of gone through phases with it because we never used to do it at all. Um, hardly ever, unless someone had a real sort of phobia of, of anaesthetic. And then COVID came along and we did it <clears throat> quite a lot. I'm kind of hoping it's all working on Facebook because I don't think there's anyone there. To... I'm not sure if Facebook's working very well these days. I'm using a special software on Facebook and I think it's making it worse. Either that or it's just not very popular on Facebook, which I can't, surely can't be the case. It must be the software's problem. Um, anyway, I'm going to push on, but... Um, yeah, so we never used to do it at all before COVID. And then COVID happened and had a real problem with the hospitals getting into the hospitals. And um, there are only certain places we could work. And and the places that we, I say we, me really, well, I'll say we, I'll keep on the we. Makes me sound more important. Um, and that was, we could only do um, local insulation or twilight anesthetic at those places. So basically that's all we could offer. And so we did quite a few cases of local insulation and it worked really well, to be fair. It did work really well. Patients recovered really well, um, home and stay cases. And we thought, wow, this is great. This is the way forward. Um, now we, I am back in hospital um, where you can do local insulation or general. Um, I don't do as much as it. And I had a, I did a patient today, actually, who had actually previously asked about local insulation and my view about it has changed slightly. I spoke to an anaesthetist about it. I mean, I don't know. I probably probably need to get an anaesthetist on here, or at least two two anaesthetists on here to talk about the pros and cons of local sedation. But it seems that the sedation that is required for these cases is quite a deep sedation. It's not like a. It's not like just you know a couple of diazepam tablets. It's it's quite a deep sedation, which is almost like a general anaesthetic, but the airway is not protected. So they would say, well, you know, you can do it, and it's fine. And not saying it's not safe or anything, but it's a little bit more kind of um, intense from the side of the anaesthetist. And they would sort of say the benefits are slightly less really than what you might think. And, um, you know, that so 
are the benefits that much? Do people recover really significantly better? So I don't know. Uh, and one of the problems is you find that the patient, places that kind of pr promote it are the places that can only do local and station. And I've always thought if it was that good, surely places that can do GA would do local installation if it was better than GA. Why is it only places that can do local? A bit like vasoliposuction, you know, some people only do like vasoliposuction. I make sure it has the best thing ever. Um, and it's like people who do all sorts of um, liposuctions and treatments and things maybe, you know, don't promote it quite as much as some people who just sort of just do it and it's like if all you've got is a hammer everything looks like a nail i don't know if that makes sense that's a people in plastic surgery often say that if you've got a sort of full repertoire you'll choose the best thing whereas if you only got one thing that you do you'll make everything fit that so i don't know so i'm i'm, I'm a bit i'm a bit less uh I'm, I'm fine with it and so we do offer it and if someone wants twilight absolutely fine but i'm a bit less kind of um positive kind of about it because i'm like you know what it's quite deep the anesthetic uh, the sedation um and um certainly in cases of breast asymmetry it can be a little bit difficult because you have to inject local anesthetic into the breast and that can make it a little bit more difficult if you're using sizes and if you're using uh, different size implants i think sometimes it can be a little bit uncomfortable for patients and, and things like that so you know we do offer it for sure but um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more on the fence on it now. And uh, we've gone back to doing majority of things under GA, I'll be honest with you, although we still do offer it. Uh, see, I've got someone written something on, on that, but I can't read it because my phone's bent. Um, um, I'm a cat. Hi, JJ. Happy New Year. I have a question for you. How long after having moles removed on the torso am I able to start exercising again? Maybe running. Thank you. Do you know what? I've, I've got a second part question, which I haven't answered. So first part, I will answer that, Mia, but I will got a second part of them, my other question. Do you offer Twilight? The other one was before and after the surgeons on uh, the website. You know what? We should, I feel like that's, I'm looking down at that. Is that better? I feel like, uh, no, we don't, we, 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 it's on the list of things to do. Uh, you might have, I, I did a thing the other day or a little while ago saying about sort of doing less operating and one of the reasons i'm doing less operating is because i want to kind of build up the practice a bit more and one of the things about building up the practice a bit more is trying to sort of work on things like the website and what have you which takes a lot of time and if you're doing a lot of operating it's hard to to kind of do both and yeah that's something we've we've thought about doing maybe having um you know specific cases by specific surgeons on the website whereas at the moment it's just all a big mix and it doesn't really specify who's done what it's just um or, or the before and after photos so yes that's a good point about having specific before and after photos with the specific surgeons um and thank you for that comment and it is a work in progress and it's on the list it's on the list and who knows in 2024 maybe i'll be able to um look at working on that but um that's a fair point fair point so um mia what you got you got what what about something about a mole on a torso what was it again how long after having moles removed on the torso start exercising again so um i mean i'm thinking they're going to be small i might be wrong you can get big moles but um because it kind of depends on how much tension there is mia if you've got a lot of tension then you're going to be a little bit more careful about it but um 
on the torso we will often use dissolvable sutures underneath the skin and maybe dissolvable sutures in the skin maybe you know completely dissolvable sutures or maybe a dissolvable suture and a non-dissolvable one that comes out later but on blind being you often use more sutures in the torso to keep it together because you worry about it sort of stretching the scar stretching what have you so um if it's not under too much tension the wound should be healed in about a week or so so i would say after a couple of weeks you can start gently doing things um running the thing about running you can get a bit hot and sweaty and so you don't want to get hot and sweaty while the wound's kind of healing so you want that wound to be properly healed so i would say two weeks um you know and then sort of start if assuming it all heals up okay if it doesn't heal up okay little bit of red bits little bit of scabby bits then maybe take it a bit uh, easy for another week or so but if it's looking pretty well nicely healed obviously it'll be quite red at that stage um then two weeks um but you know always i'm not sure if i'm your surgeon there but always talk to your surgeon if it is me then that's what i'm saying um or at least ask me because i'll talk specifically about your case but um always best to talk to your surgeon but yeah Two weeks gently getting into it again, I would say, is my uh, is my answer on that one. Um, yeah. Um, what? Thanks for the question. What treatment takes off a mole permanently, like it won't come back at all? I don't want it to regrow. <clears throat> um, so, the way to think about this is, if you look at a kind of like cross section of the skin, you've got to think where is the pigment cells a mole. <coughs> A mole is a collection of pigment cells. So pigment cells are throughout the skin, uh, melanocytes they're called, they're throughout the skin, and they um, are just more of them in that in one area um, that, that makes up a mole. Um, and they are um, distributed throughout the thickness of the skin. So if you want to get rid of it um, completely, you will have to take the full thickness of the skin. You will have to destroy the full thickness of the skin somehow remove it or destroy it or burn it or scrape it or you know cut it out so you you need to if you want to take away a mole permanently you you're going to have to destroy the full thickness of the skin and um there's different ways you can do that you can burn it with a laser you can burn it with acid you can uh, grind it off with a dermabrasion thing you can um cut it out you can scrape it out with a spoon there's all sorts of ways you can do it um the problem with the ways that don't involve cutting it out is you will leave a raw area and if you're going to go full thickness that area then has to heal from the sides by what we call secondary intention so that scarring is not going to be quite so good so all those areas, all those ones that don't involve bringing the edges of the skin back together, which is the laser, the acid, uh, dermabrading, um, uh, scraping, all those ways of getting rid of that full thickness, you wouldn't really want to do that for a full thickness skin removal. So the best way to do full thickness skin removal is to just cut it out and stitch and bring those edges back together again and stitch it up. The problem with that is it leaves a scar because you're removing the full thickness of the skin and then you bring the skin edges back. So that's excision and suture. And that's going to leave a scar. Um, to be fair, all the other ways are going to leave a scar as well. And arguably, the scar is going to be worse because it's going to heal by secondary intention. Um, the fact of the matter is, often you get some potentially some mole uh, pigment cells are closer to the surface of the skin. So you can just remove the top layer of the skin 
And that's why those other areas like CO2 is the other thing. CO2, laser, burning and all those things might work for more superficial lesions um, because they're not removing the full thickness of the skin and then the scarring will be um, significantly less. Uh, but there's always a risk that you haven't removed it all. So if you want a permanent solution, then excision and suture is, is the best way to do that. There are other ways to do it. As I say, you can do it with lasers and acids and uh, and what have you, but the scarring is um, potentially going to be worse because it has to heal from the sides in. Um, so excision is the best way to permanently remove a, um, a mole to make sure that it won't grow back at all. Like anything, it needs a consultation where you need to have a look at it to see whether it would be an option for a scrape or a superficial <coughs> treatment. But you'd have to accept there's always a risk of it coming back with those superficial treatments, but the um, the healing and the scarring might be less. Um, sorry. Uh, yes, it's you. I think you mentioned it probably be dissolved with sutures before. Thanks, JJ. Yeah, you probably will on the torso, probably will. Yeah. Okay, well, if it's me, then yeah, two weeks is where I'm going on that one. Um, how soon after having an epigastric hernia repair with mesh can I have a tummy tuck? Um, right, you have, you've got an epigastric hernia repair with mesh. Now, the first thing that makes me think is it, um, I've got a bit of alarm bells here, to be honest with you. I'm thinking the cogs. Can you see the cogs going there? Um, the first thing, if you if you know you're having an epigastric hernia repair and you know you want a tummy tuck, is do you want them both at the same time? Because that would probably be the most sensible thing, although I'm sensing there might be a situation like maybe you're having the epigastric hernia repair on the NHS and the tummy tuck privately, um, which you might think, mm, you know, because the worry I've got with the epigastric hernia repair is if they make a scar that goes higher than the belly button, because that is going to impact your ability to have a tummy tuck. If they make a scar that goes above the belly button, we're in trouble. If the scar is limited to the to the around the belly button <coughs> and down, we're okay. But if it's going above the belly button, we are in trouble, my friend. And you might be in a situation where you have your epigastric hernia repair and then you turn up for your tummy tuck consultation. They're like, hold on a minute, you can't have a tummy tuck because that scar is going to um, be a problem with the healing of the skin, which obviously would not be a great situation to be in because it would be relatively um, uh, a relative contraindication to the surgery having that scar unless we could get above the scar and pull it all down. So that's a real um, uh, concern for me. And I think if you haven't had either the procedure you need to talk to the surgeons and potentially get the surgeons to talk to each other um you know for the plastic surgeon say to the epigastric hernia surgeon uh what sort of scar are you thinking of leaving is there any possibility you can do it by having a scar that extends um south of the belly button rather than north of the belly button because i will be able to remove all the skin below the belly button but i won't potentially be able to remove skin going north of the belly button so that scar might be an issue so that's quite a big sort of alarm bell there but first of all i think it needs to be thought about how it how the scar of the hernia repair is going to go um how soon um i mean it's a relatively big procedure having a hernia repair um with you know particularly this with mesh so six months i would say you kind of want to have it all healed um <coughs> Yeah, six months. And again, 
I'm, I'm presuming you kind of spoken to your plastic surgeon particularly, because if it's a little epigastric hernia, we can often repair them when we do the tummy tuck. So um, you kind of need to speak to the people involved really about that one. But I would say six months, assume it's all healed because you want it all to soften up because you, you have to put it together and you often repair, um, bring the muscles closer together. And, and, and in doing that, um, hernia, small hernia repairs can be fixed at the time of a tummy tuck. But if you if it's with mesh, maybe it's not a small one, actually. Maybe it's quite a big one. Um, but um, yeah, six months would be a kind of ballpark figure. But, you know, if you don't heal up so well, it might be longer. If you heal up really well, it might be less. Um, but you want everything to soften and all the scar tissue to soften. Um, you know, probably ideally 12, six to 12 months, I would say, uh, would be kind of like where I would be going between those two surgeries. Um, but yeah, needs a bit of thought, that one. How to prevent a stretch scar after tattoo excision on your wrist? Yeah, I mean, I guess surgeon factors and patient factors on that one. So surgeon factors, from our point of view, um, it's thinking about orientation of scar. So we would probably want, if if we've got a choice. So often with tattoo excision, you haven't got a choice for uh, orientation of scar, because if it's kind of long and thin, you're going to want to put the scar in line with the tattoo, if that makes sense. If the tattoo's a circle, then you can orientate the scar any way you want. But if the tattoo's in a if in a kind of oblong shape, you're going to have that's going to dictate the orientation of the scar. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. But um, so yeah, if you have got an option for orientation of the scar, you'd probably want to orientate it um, longitudinally, so um, it's not under tension when you move your wrist, um, because when you move your if you put it um, transversely. If you move your wrist, you're going to put some tension on it, which might me make it more likely to stretch. Also, transverse incision on the wrist might look like a self-harm scar. So there's some sort of um, psychological um, sequelae, is that the word, or, or um, connotations, or you know, anyway, potential effects of a, of a transverse scar on the wrist. So we probably want to, um, if we can, uh, orientate it. Um, uh, longitudinally uh, and again if we can get orientation to more of the neutral parts of the wrist rather than the the the, 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 the here you know there's more tension here than on if you can put it on the sides I don't know if that makes sense so uh, again if we if we can do that that would be good uh, when we do the surgery we would probably want to perhaps put some uh, uh, or certainly want to put some deep closure in with some deep sutures to take the tension off the problem with the deep sutures is they can make the scar quite red when they dissolve and sometimes they spit out and cause problems but that will help to take the tension off and help with the um help with the risk of stretching uh in terms of patient factors then really it's taking it easy um sometimes when you do really big excisions you might actually splint put someone in a splint so they don't move their wrist so it heals properly now the risk of that is it <coughs> it um um you can potentially get stiff wrist is the risk of that so that's a little bit extreme putting you in a splint but uh, maybe a bulky dressing or or just saying to you just try and take it easy not to try and put too much tension on your wrist certainly in the first few weeks while it's healing because putting tension carrying bags or or lifting anything heavy is going to put tension on that wound and increase your risk of uh, of stretching it um so being very careful in the first few weeks while it's healing and then giving it a good massage to try and um, soften up the scar once it's healed usually wait several weeks before doing that to try and soften up the scar and give you the best chance of getting the best scar possible um 
so yeah those are the sort of things i would think about if you if you want to minimize your risk of your scar stretching um how long does it take for tightness to ease after tattoo excision so a week um <coughs> excuse me yeah i think it will feel i mean it depends on how, how much you removed if it's not remove much and it's not much then it will better after a couple of days but um yeah i would say a week it'll probably start to feel better and after a couple of weeks it'll you know yeah week or so i would say how to make your scar fade quicker after tattoo excision oh my these are heavy we're heavy on the tattoo excisions today um the best things are look after yourself don't smoke avoid sun exposure drink plenty of uh, water that's the best that's good for your skin good for your healing uh specifically in terms of the scar fading um again don't get a tan on it if you get a tan on it it'll stay tanned so avoid sun exposure moisturize and massage avoid tension so that it heals up nicely um uh, moisturize and massage are the main things for me there are other things you can do for tap uh, for scars that are problematic in terms of steroid injections silicone dressings but then normally for problem scars so most normal scars moisturizer and massage is the mainstay of, of what we would do for it um i have a flat mole on my nose and it never went away i tried to remove it with laser and the doctor scraped it once and it came back again twice how do i remove it permanently well this goes back to the question at the top of the uh the top of the hour where we spoke about permanent removal. I mean, this is the thing. So the, the doctors tried laser and scraping it. So those have um, probably just superficially removed the skin. Uh, and they're good if it's a superficial lesion, if it's a superficial mold. But if the, the mold, if the, if the pigment cells are going deeper, then that's why what will happen if you do laser or scraping, you'll get a wound, the wound then heals. And then once it's healed, the mold's still there because it's going deeper. So you've got to look at potentially having a full thickness removal. And it's difficult on the nose because the nose's skin's quite tight. So it is difficult on the nose. But I think um, I think um, excision would probably be what I'd be thinking of. Because as I said earlier, that's probably the best way to make sure you're permanently removing a mole. It also avoids, uh, it also allows you to send the mole off for histology, which is another benefit, which you don't get with things like scraping and and laser so um so excision would probably be my advice on that one but need to take advice because as i say the moles the nose is quite tight and even a small mole can be a, a bit of a challenge to remove on the nose um and you had have to be uh, accept a uh, a scar because uh, an excision would leave a scar although we aim to make it as neat and as small as possible so i missed anything so um people joining yes thank you so yeah so that's me done for the 2024 january the 9th um session um god willing i'll be back next week if you've got any questions please email me please um instagram me or facebook me or whatever you want uh, and i will uh, do my level best to answer them um and i very much look forward to seeing you here same time same place um next Tuesday. Hasta la vista, baby. I'm sure Facebook's not working. I'm sure there'd be more interaction on Facebook if it was.